0: We are going to stick in the NBA mood, and it is time for Trista's Heat Check.
1: You're you're listening to the the, the, the hottest, the hottest podcast out here. I said what I said. I said what I said. It's the Heat Check. The Heat Check.
0: Heat Check with Trista Crick.
1: I said what I said. He said my name like he didn't really know it. he said my name like PJ says Ryan Horvath. He did. Ryan Horvat. We need black eyed Peach on yeah, the beat. Yeah, we do. I said what I said. said what I said. Best seen. podcast around with checks notes. <laughs> Trista. <laughs> What's that girl's Crick. name again? <laughs> Trista. That's it... okay. Oh it's fine. Man.
0: Trista, where are we going tonight on the heat check?
1: So we're about a fifth of the season, fifth of the way through the season, Peach. I think it's time for us to go to a category we have not hit, and that is Coach of the Year. Oh, I like it. It is finally time to take a look at who we like for the NBA Coach of the Year. There's only one name that comes to mind. I'm going to give you a bunch of names, and then I'm going to give you my favorite name. But Pete, you know me so well, you kind of know where I'm going, kind of know what I'm thinking. Here's the odds, top odds. We got Will Hardy plus 500 from the Utah Jazz. We got Joe Missoula 700. For the Boston Celtics, JB Bickerstaff plus eight hundred for the Cavs. Chauncey Billups plus eight hundred for the Blazers. Taylor Jenkins plus nine hundred for the Memphis Grizzlies. Budenholzer plus nine fifty for the Bucs. Willie Green plus sixteen hundred for the Suns. Monty Williams, wait, no, excuse me. Willie Green for the Pelicans plus sixteen hundred. Monty Williams plus eighteen hundred for the Suns. Greg Popovich plus twenty five hundred for the Spurs. Nick Nurse plus three thousand thirty to one for the Toronto Raptors. Tons of surprises, I think, in this year for lots of teams, which makes the category pretty interesting, I think. Makes it very fun because, rest assured, Peach, there's going to be a lot of change by the end of the season. We've got the trade deadline. We've got teams who end up starting to sink down the rankings and then they decide they're not going to win any games anymore. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to look at the top five in this list and give you my thoughts on how they. I think it's going to play out. Love it. Let's go with Will Hardy first, plus 500, leader in the clubhouse. Okay. 34 years old, wi- widely seen as one of the best young minds in the NBA. Widely seen from those inside of the Boston Celtics organization as a critical component of why they did so well last year to the point where he was actually second in terms of they hiring him for the head coaching job under before Ime Udoka got the offer. Wow. He was... He got the, almost got the Celtics job, like I said, when he was 33. But he decided to stick on the bench, help Ime Udoka resurrect a very chaotic season, make this title run, then skedaddled to Utah to reunite with Danny Ainge. Everybody thought that was probably a bad decision. They gave him a five-year deal, thought he was going to be rebuilding right away, going to be a bad, bad team. And you know, Utah blew up the ship, as we know. Donovan Mitchell had to go. Rudy Gobert had to go. They traded Royce as well for a ton of draft picks, and a bunch of young players, none of who you really felt were that that good. Some were fun. Some were athletic. But, like, it's a lineup of Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Kelly Olynyk, Boston Celtics' former legend, yes. uh, Jared Vanderbilt, and Lowry Markkinen. Nobody thought, like, they would even win 30 games. Let's be honest. Their win total was 24 and a half. Wow. Hey, they've got, what, how many wins already? They're almost there now. Ten, Lots, I think. They've ten, got, I believe, yeah, ten, and ten, 10 and 6. Lots of people thought Hardy made a big mistake taking this job. Mark Stein dropped this profile of him, noting that a bunch of insiders thought that he screwed himself by taking the Utah job because of the EMA Udoka situation was going to blow up and he probably was going to be the man that they wanted to take over once the scandal went public. But since Hardy got his start in San Antonio, he coached under Pop for six years, they thought some, somehow, some way, that when Popovich retired, that maybe he could be the head coach of the Spurs. And here we are. What a month goes by and how that changes perceptions because under Hardy, the Jazz have not only shocked the league, they were the first team in the league to 10 wins. The way that it's been going, everybody's singing his praises. They're beating good teams. When they lose, like they did recently to the Sixers in Philly, Joel beat had to drop casual 60 points, 59 points. Mm-hmm. There's upside. No one expected anything from him. If they finish 500, there's going to be a lot of support for him to win Coach of the Year. I like the starting lineup, but here's the downside. Danny Ainge is going to be trading some pieces away. This for is, sure. He's just going to, right? We've got Jordan Clarkson who wants out. Mike Conley right there. Kelly Olenek right there. There's just three, four guys who you can see very clearly going to another team. Mm-hmm. I could see another scenario where this team is at or above 500, and then they still sell at the deadline. Meaning that coach of the year candidacy kind of sinks right away. He is in a great position, but long-term, don't love it. Plus seven hundred for Joe Missoula, Boston Celtics head coach. So here's the dichotomy of this this coach of the year candidate. One, the team already went to the finals. They went to the finals last year. They've got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. He's been on this team. He's been on the bench. He was a part of it. All he has to do is just continue to keep the structure the same, make sure the culture is good, and just they've already had success. But to that, I say. No Time Lord, no Danilo Gallinari, institutional chaos, a scandal, never, no head coaching experience, and yet the best record in the NBA. That is coach of the year material. What he's done has been incredible, incredible. It has. What's bad about Missoula, there's a ton of pressure in Boston to repeat the success that Udoka had in his first year right? Boston's averaging the most made three pointers in the NBA to date. That shooting probably not sustainable, probably some regression coming for that. Horford's taken a step back, meaning they probably are needing to rely even more on outside shooting. They've got injury concerns with guys like Malcolm Brogdon overall decent value at this number. JB Bickerstaff, third favorite people really high on the Cavs this year. The cavs they've started fast, but let's be honest. I'm not high. I'm not sold on the Cavs. If the Cavaliers come around playoff time, it's because they're going to have to get Rudy Go- Rudy Ricky Rubio back at some point. They were obviously really good with him, but I think this number plummets. Like I don't think J.B. Bickerstaff is going to be able to lead this team to a place of surprise. Like we're not surprised anymore. Right. And now they're starting to fall. And now they're starting to regress back to what we know that they are. So I don't like that pick. Taylor Jenkins +900 is interesting because it's the whole delayed award scenario like Monty Williams last year mm-hmm. because Thibodeau messed it up. Thibodeau got it the year that Monty should have right. and then Monty had to get it the next year and that was the year that Taylor Jenkins should have won it. So maybe he wins it this year because they know that they owe it to him. There's value there. The Grizz have had kind of a disappointing start to the season but that's because I think of the injuries to Jaw, the injuries to Desmond Bain, the injuries to Jaron Jackson and the fact that the Grizzlies are above 500 at this point that's pretty much a miracle, considering that their one, two, three scorers have all missed so much time. And I watched them without those three, and it's abysmal. That's a reason. That's kind of a reason to like Jenkins this year. And he's due. Like I said, he's due. The downside injuries, more of them. If anything happens to Jaw, if anything happens more to Bane, this team plummets. Absolutely pl- plummets. Tons of ifs on Jenkins. Here's my favorite pick, though, Peach. Chauncey Billups. B-b-b-b- Billups. Plus 800. This is a value play, and it's the value play, and it's not even close. You talk about weathering a storm in a good boat like my man Joe Mazula has. How about weathering a storm with the boat filled with holes and water inside the boat where you were tanking and had the number seven pick, and now all of a sudden you're number one in the West? How about that? Weathering that storm. How about going from 30th in defensive rating, the worst, to 6th defensive rating with a one-player difference? That's pretty insane. They were dead last, like I said, 116.9 defensive rating. Third worst in NBA history. And here they are. To paraphrase Brad Beal, last year they couldn't even park guard a park car. Sixth best defensive rating in all of basketball now. Just a fraction out of fifth place. They had the 27th ranked offense last year. This year, they're scoring 110 points per game. That's a net gain of nearly 10 points per game. Mm. If you have a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense, that's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. They're currently the best team in the West. So much of this has to do with what Chauncey Billets is instilling for defensive identity. He's got them playing with one another, shading for one another picking up where the other one misses real team defense front office, giving him the pieces that he needs for him to succeed. This team is young. They're very athletic. They're filled with guys with 40 inch verticals and positive wingspans. And that's where the value is. Jump on it. Now jump on it. Now it's the only number is going to go down barring disaster. I think this team could maybe make it to the Western conference semifinals or finals long shot, long shot before we go long shot. Mike Brown, 30 to one. I know you're tired of hearing about the Kings. I know. You're nowhere as sick of it as you're going to be because this can, team is going to continue to win, Paige. And if the Kin- Not tonight. If the Kings finish in the top four, top six by some miracle, there is going to be so much support for Mike Brown because he's got them playing fast. He's got him playing loose. And in crunch time, Paige, they're playing defense. And you know what that means? Fire up the purple beam.
0: Mm, I do like that. I do like that. I'm totally with you on your two picks. Chauncey, I can't believe that there are three names ahead of him. I understand Utah's also been a great story, but they've lost three in a row now. Joe Mazzulla, you know, obviously he didn't come in knowing he was going to be the head coach, but he inherited a Ferrari. He had the Eastern Conference champions who just picked up Malcolm Brogdon. They got better in the offseason. So while he's done a good job, I don't think he's done nearly as good a job as Chauncey or Will Hardy. And then J.B. Bickerstaff, again, Cleveland was 8-1. and one. If they were 11-2 right now, I could understand the argument. But they've lost five straight. They're 8-6 and six now all of a sudden. And, you know, the Blazers, the thing about them, Trista, we keep waiting for them to go on this three, four-game losing streak, five-game. And they might, but they it just hasn't happened yet. So I'm with you. Take... The Blazers, take Chauncey Billups at plus 800 while you currently can because the number's only going up. The Blazers are here to stay. They're, you know how we talk about Minnesota Vikings are frauds in the NFL and, like, yes. yeah, they've beaten some good teams but not convincingly. The Blazers have beaten good teams and have done it convincingly to yeah. the point where, like, yeah, the, this, this team's good. They are good. So I love that. And then, look, Mike Brown with the Kings, if they keep winning, if they keep scoring points— if they somehow manage to win the Pacific division or finish like a game back of Phoenix or two games back, I think he's absolutely gonna be in the conversation.
1: I agree. I so agree.
0: I like both thoughts. I absolutely do. I think you're right on the money with both of those. There's really nobody else. Maybe the other guy possibly to look at is Jock Vaughn of Brooklyn at twenty two to one because of just how they much would have of a, to be so good. That's though. the thing.
1: That, that would have think. to be so good. They'd have
0: to win. They'd have to go on a stretch where they go like 20 and five over like a 25 game stretch. Indeed. They got to get super hot. And the fact that Mike Brown is at 30 to one and he's at 22 to one again speaks to just the value on Mike Brown. So I think I think the both Kings are, are overlooked,
1: but we're not going to allow that to take place anymore. No, no, we're not. That's we've already moved lines just by ourselves. I Literally, am- I'm convinced. I don't. I don't like to think that that happens because there's so many other things at play. But we're now two for two. Russell Westbrook and the Kangs. Yep. Like immediately, like the next day, mm-hmm. where minutes later I tell someone to take something and all of a sudden, ooh, a little steam. It must take like three, three bets for the books to be like, ooh, we got to move these lines. <sighs> like three bets is all it takes.